Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Chapter 1, Wayfair welcomes you to the Waverhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the Waverhood, she said, where Wayfair helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trinsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love Chapter 2. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home. All right, hello friends, uh, and welcome back to Live Reality Games, uh, a network of creators favorite to reality. I am obviously not Kirk um, this episode. I am Cameron. Um, I help host Can You Survive, um, which is a survivor-like charity event that takes place in the summer in Maine. Um, so check that out. Uh, we have our second season coming up uh, th this summer in August. Um, and here we are with this panel to talk everything that just happened in Survivor Season 42, Episode 8. I believe it was titled, You Better Be Wearing a Seatbelt. All right, uh, let's get to our panel here because I think we have a great panel. Um, our panel tonight is from the, the show Survivor Buffalo. Um, so welcome, folks. We'll start with um, the bottom right corner here. We'll start with Josh. So you played season two, and you also do a regular podcast of your own. So uh, what, what kind of podcast do you do, and, and where can we find that? It's, uh, it's a, just a Survivor podcast, because I do love to talk about Survivor. So it's called Survivor Analyst Podcast. I do it with my friend Dustin, and uh, we just recap each and every episode, breaking down the strategy and the gameplay. And you can find it pretty much anywhere. You can listen to podcasts, Apple, Google spotify all those things so it's been a lot of fun great awesome uh have you done is it have you i, I can't imagine you've gone back and done every episode but what what kind of season have you started from what, what kind of backlogs are we talking well we started with season 40 winners at war and then i think during because they had that the quarantine and the lockdown and so that whole year we went back i think we watched um Season 35, we went back and watched Token Chains and did some recaps on that. And then we started 41. And then uh, we also covered Survivor Michigan, season four of Survivor oh, awesome. Michigan, which was a lot of fun, too. So um, and now we're covering 42. Great. Well, well, fans of this channel will love, I'm sure, the Survivor Michigan content. So, oh, yeah, that, that's a great one to plug there. Um Great. Awesome. Uh, we also have Paul here. Um, Paul, I, uh, our viewers have not yet seen you play because you're you're in the as of yet unaired season four. But uh, without spoiling anything, what can you tell us about the experience? Uh, it was amazing. And it 
I am looking as forward to watching it as anyone else is. And that is my non-spoilery uh, version of what happened in season four is Great. it's going to be good TV. <laughs> I love I love to hear it. What can you tell us about kind of the, the type of game that Survivor Buffalo puts on? I think what's so fantastic about it is you get out there. So Buffalo was my first live game, um, had never played a live game, hadn't even played an online game in a long time. So I was way out of it. Um, but kind of got in it, into it through a friend who had played and a couple other people I hadn't heard about it. And so you show up on the mat there the first day and that blood is pumping. You're right there. It's, it's just like you're in it. Um, but the great part about Buffalo is that everybody is so lovely. Like the, the cast, the crew, everyone was just absolutely wonderful to be around the whole time. So even though you're in this intense, like emotional, challenging environment, like you feel so supported through the whole thing. And then um, when the game was over, um, it's just like you have a whole new family of all these, your fellow cast members and all the crew and everybody who was involved um, was just fantastic. So it's like getting dropped into a whole new friend group. And I really can't say enough wonderful things about the experience top to bottom. It was incredible. Wow, I, I don't think you're gonna get a better testimonial, Sarah. So maybe <laughs> this one out and put that one on the website. I, I think that's Ding. that's beautiful. Um, that's why we play these LRGs. I mean, Survivor is a, a great welcoming community, and I think the LRG community and the ORG community are are both super welcoming communities. I, I think the the nice thing about these games is win or lose, you always come out with you know new friends, new family, like you said. So I, I think that's a great great testimonial. Um, and then we have Sarah, obviously big thanks to you for, for putting this panel together um, as the creator and producer of Survivor Buffalo. You know, we just had a great testimonial, but but why should we check it out? Um, you know, you have a you have a show airing soon and, and a new one casting correctly, uh, or, or if I'm correct. So 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 what should people do and, and, and why should people watch it? Well, Paul kind of took the words right out of my mouth. Um, it, <laughs> We're, we're on our fifth season. Our fifth season will be playing out this May, and then we'll be having an all-star season in September. So we've um, produced four full seasons. And I think each season we just get a little bit better and better. And for me as a producer, it's really just about creating an experience for the players, for the crew. Um, that's my, my number one goal when I'm um, producing and creating a show. And hoping to have a community for them to um, be a part of after the fact. So um, that's really what you're going to get is a good experience when you come to us. Well, I think that's, 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 and I think uh, this comment might, might prove what both you and uh, uh, <laughs> Josh has said. Um, I know two people who met on a live reality game and now they're married. I think that's a, yep. a, a, a perfect representation of what this can be. I mean, it's, perfect chance to meet people maybe romantically maybe just for friends maybe just uh for a fun experience so um please check out survivor buffalo um the next season that's coming out if i believe correct is cursed child do you know when that's launching on or cursed island i'm sorry cursed island. Uh, yes got that confused with a harry potter it's not harry there. potter theme uh, no. <laughs> but when, when is that gonna hit do we have a estimated yes, uh, launch date it, may 5th May 5th, May 5th right. it'll be coming to your screens. It is officially May 5th. So our season three cast is very excited. That's awesome. We're, we'll start the 15-day the timeline uh, from here. So about two weeks from, from now. Yeah. Um, yeah, mark your calendars. That's awesome. That's awesome. 
Um, well, before we get into the episode, uh, the one last thing that I I want to mention is just we we heard today in our our Survivor community, um, we're all Survivor fans that that unfortunately we did lose um, Ralph Kaiser from from Redemption Island. So I just wanted to shout that out on the podcast. I mean, he was a a great participant in that season. I mean, I think he 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 was a great member, kind of led a little bit of that. Um, anti-Russell, anti-Rob alliance and, and was an interesting character on the show. And from all that I've heard, an interesting person and a great person outside the show. So thoughts to his friends and family, um, just because that's something that we had heard today. Great. Well, thank you, the three of you, for, for being here tonight. And thank you all for, for watching and listening. Um, make sure you subscribe, like the page to follow all the events like Survivor Buffalo, all the other LRGs that, that the channel covers. Um, and now we can get on to the episode. So obviously the last merge episode was a doozy. So we had a lot to kind of cover at the beginning of the episode. So we we kind of opened with, you know, night 14 after that vote. Um, everyone was excited. They made the merge. Mike, I think, made an interesting declaration, something that wasn't clear to, to us maybe as the viewers from the last episode. He called out who was on the bottom. So obviously we had heard about this eight. And obviously everyone who wasn't in the eight was on the bottom. But I don't think anyone specifically had said that chanel tori romeo and marianne are on the outs um so so he, he he directly called that out i mean were you expecting that josh I, I i feel like watching the last episode i don't know if i necessarily got that romeo was as far on the outs that was the name that really kind of what was more surprising to me than any of the others and it came clear throughout the episode obviously but it was definitely surprising at the beginning of the episode yeah, it was. And it's, it's, Romeo is, out of those four names, Romeo is the more surprising one. And I feel like, you know, Tribal Council is the area where you find out who, you know, who you're really with. That draws the line in the sand. And I think those four could really tell that they were on the house because they were bamboozled. They were, the, you know, they're the ones out on that vote. And you could really tell that, especially for Chanel and Romeo, they were like, oh, I, I was not expecting that to happen. And so they were freaking out and they they themselves realized that they were on the outs. Yeah. Yeah. I think Mike had a good analogy likening them to kind of the, the rats who were scurrying into the corner, had places to pull people in and kind of chat. Paul, ha I mean, having played in, in in one of these games have you kind of had that experience uh either being the one on the outs or being the one kind of watching the people on the outs where kind of that kind of scurrying after that vote uh, I, I i it's that stressful moment of who can i talk to who can explain this to me um and kind of how that goes yeah i feel like i've been on both sides of it really in a live game experience and then there's the third side of it of thinking, oh, we're comfortable, we've got the votes, everything's wonderful, and watching other people scurry when really you should have been scurrying, which I think is might be where this is headed because we have a very comfortable group of people pick somebody else off from this quote-unquote bottom group. And, I mean, that can only last so long. And so I think um, what we're about to see, hopefully, <laughs> is kind of the reckoning of that kind of comfortable gameplay and how it can really really easily flip really quick on one or more people especially somebody like mike who's very much like these people are on the bottom these people are working together it's never quite that simple that's true that's true i and in this scenario we saw a bunch of often one-on-ones and kind of have that hey i'm on the 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 top you're on the bottom but i'm explaining this to you or i'm, I'm rationalizing this to you we saw 
hi and chanel hi said oh i i didn't mean to leave you out or romeo and drea and drea you know kind of both of them kind of clocking each other ways romeo you know saying that drea doesn't even want to look at him and and uh drea saying that romeo's too paranoid and then we saw Lindsay and marianne and i i feel like they had kind of an, an emotional kind of a more emotional reaction to it um in that you know they they, they had both kind of just felt bad but sarah did you feel like anyone reacted poorly I, I feel like that is a chance where if you're in the majority there's a chance to kind of lose some some power there you you want to keep those people with you but you can't give them too much you feel like any of those three um high or drea or Lindsay, you know played that poorly i feel like drea and the way she reacted with romeo definitely um didn't didn't help her game i think that her social game is one so an area I think she needs to work on, needs to work on. And the way she just was like, Oh, you're, you're so paranoid. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. Rather than kind of uh, letting him, you know, voice his opinion and trying to make him feel better. It just, I don't know. It rubbed me the wrong way. If I was Romeo, I, I wouldn't, I would have reacted the way he did after talking to Drea. She did not make him feel safe. Yeah, I, I think that's very fair. And I think we've seen in earlier episodes and even later in this episode, as she's cackling, as we go to, as we go to tribal council, you know, her, her potential yeah. lack of, of kind of, you know, I mean, maybe it's not coming through to the other players, but definitely in that moment, it, it, it probably came through to, to Romeo there. Um, so I, I, I could see that maybe the lack of social game is playing into it a little bit. I worry that her, you know, bag of tricks, literally <laughs> bag of tricks of, advantages is giving her this false sense of confidence where she doesn't have to try as hard as maybe she would if she didn't have any advantages or idols or extra votes or i can't even keep track of it all <laughs> sure but uh amulets <laughs> amulets i knew there was right. something yeah, else in there that more, i forgot yeah. amulet yeah so, yeah, I, 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 I worry about that. And, and I think, Paul, you made a good point of, of kind of this reckoning of the larger alliance. And I think we'll, we'll get to tribal council, but I think it was it was hinted at in tribal council over and over again. Um, but this, this future reckoning of, hey, you know, there's eight of you and it's not all it's not going to last. You just met these people two days ago. So so what is that that kind of future look like? And for for all of them, I mean, the jury starts now. I mean, we, we learned today that the, the jury starts and these people that you're voting out are going to be voting for one of you to, to win this. So how you're treating them and, and how you're going about these votes is is even more and more important. So um, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Um, we had a really touching confessional from Marianne about how kind of she felt uh, as an outsider. Um, that's something that I, I know that I can definitely relate to. I mean, definitely in, mm -hmm. in any of these games, when you feel like people aren't playing with you, I mean, there's nothing that hurts more on a personal level. You know, obviously there's strategic reasons, like she said, but I mean, uh, Josh, can you, can you just speak to that as someone who's played one of these games of just finding out that you're kind of on the outs or, or being voted out or, or being targeted? I mean, and what does that feel like from like a personal level? Cause you have to get over that. Cause you have to mentally get over that, but it still hurts, you know? It does. It does. It's, you can't help, but, uh, feel like what's what's wrong with me like she said it's like is this i mean is, am i just too weird for these people or what is it that's that's about me that just doesn't resonate with the rest of these people and yeah you can't let that affect you that much you have to and in some degree you know it's hard but at the same time you got to be like okay 
know, I got to work my way back in this group. I can't let this affect me too much because if so, it's just going to be even worse. So how can I, you know, get in with this group? So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Paul, maybe, maybe you can touch on this a little bit of, I, I know in these games, I mean, like you said, Josh, you can't let it show. So, I mean, you have to kind of do that almost two-faced activity of, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, crying or sad internally, but on the outside, I am stoic and I'm calm. And, and how do you balance that, Paul? Yeah, I think part of what's hard is when you're on the outs, your natural instinct is to try and work harder and be like, no, like me, like me. And in some ways that can turn people even further off. And I think we've seen a little bit of that with Marianne, where I think as a viewer, love her, think she's great, but she's clearly not really clicking from day one with the people on her tribe. And I think sometimes that's caused her to maybe be a little even more outgoing and try a little bit harder, which I think maybe has worked her into a tough spot. But the thing I like about her is exactly what you just said is you don't see her crying in front of her tribe mates. You don't see her being like, why don't you like me? You don't see her kind of having these big meltdown moments per se. I mean, we saw the one with her and Jonathan and the coconut chopping, but that wasn't, I, I, I would hardly consider, I think I've had bigger meltdowns, um, but I think she just gets in there and is persistent, which is like one of the most underrated qualities as a game player you can have is just getting in there and still working and just waiting for that implosion. If she can, if Marianne is still around when this whole thing blows up, she could find herself in a really, really excellent position going down the line. And don't forget, she has a, what, an idol and an extra vote. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe that someone like Omar is, he protected her last round and I feel like when push comes to shove and there is an implosion, she has some inroads with people like an Omar mm -hmm. um, to protect her and possibly propel her farther in the game. I'm crossing my fingers because I do love her too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's an undeniably <laughs> great, great, great television mm -hmm. character yeah. at, at the very least. So, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see where she goes. I, I do think that the, the show is offering, I, I think we'll get to it later, but I think she had that confessional of, you know, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to the challenge, but she had a really great confessional about using emotion as a weapon. Mm -hmm. I, I think that is something that she can do as someone who's super emotive, super wears her, her emotions kind of on the sleeve, in, on her face. I mean, you can tell how she's feeling at any moment because she's not going to hide it but she can use that if she's strategic about it. Um, and I think that's an evolution of that kind of player archetype that we've seen throughout Survivor of like, you have that emotional younger female that we've seen going all the way back to Borneo really. Um, but now someone like Marianne weaponizing it and saying, mm -hmm. yes, I am emotional. Yes, I am a younger female. Yes, I may not be the physical threat that some of the other players in this game are, but I know now how to use that to get what I want. And, you know, having, you know, we've all played LRGs, you know, uh, even if you're in an alliance, you want to have that parachute player, that insurance player that can keep you their ear to the ground for you and vice versa. And if Marianne can use that relationship correctly, I'm just saying, I'm high on Marianne. Even after all this, I'm still high on her. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I mean, I, I personally don't have kids, but what it reminded me of was like a teenager, like manipulating their parents into getting something that they wanted out of their parents. Yes. I mean, th this is something that I'm surprised <laughs> yeah. more younger players haven't been able to kind of utilize this kind of like, um, you know, emotional manipulation, but in a way that's for their own benefit. I mean, I, I don't think these 
younger players are coming in, you know, not aware of, of how they're coming off to some of these older players. I, I think sometimes it's just the, the elements might get to them, but um, I think that's interesting. So we'll, we'll move on to the next day. So that was the first night and, and day two, we get a lot of other character moments. I think this is the, the, the interesting thing about this new era is that it really harkens back to the original era. Um, I, I love that they're showing these character moments, these, these kind of, um, you know, people from different worlds meeting and, and clashing. And we get a beautiful moment between Mike and Omer, uh, uh, you know, bonding uh, about the religion. And, and I think this really spells something or, or, or tells something about both of their social games. I think Omer being really open and inviting to people coming to him and, and Mike being really open to to going to other people and, and, and aligning with, with a lot of other people. Sarah, I feel like these two players are, are kind of headed in this game. I... Mike has surprised me this entire season because it definitely when you look at him and when you first meet him in the first episode and even just the, the cadence of his voice and, and everything, he seems rough around the edges and Ooh, the New Jersey accent. I, terrible. I'm yes. Sorry. <laughs> and his social game, I honestly feel is is undeniably just um, he's doing an amazing job with it. And even when I hear him talk, I'm still just like. How is he doing this? But we don't see every little thing that goes on on the island. But I, that small moment with Omar, I was like, yeah, those are the things he's doing. And you can, he influenced where that vote went and put his foot in the ground and said, no, we're doing Chanel. Mm -hmm. And it showed the agency he has in this game. And it, I just, I feel like I want to get to know him personally and want to figure out how he does it because he's just, he's doing so well. It's amazing. He's shocking me. I mean, he's yeah. someone in the preseason. Shocking. I, I, I did not. I mean, this coming from this is is really fascinating. I mean, he has the emotional intelligence of of someone who I just would not expect from from kind of his background. So, from the fifty percent discount at Denny's crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a great line! <laughs> That's a great one. Yeah, right. that's a great one. I, is that a real like, discount? Because I'm excited for that one. Oh, senior discount at Denny's know, is real. I, yeah, let yeah. me speak <laughs> to that. Yes. I come from the 50% discount at Denny's crowd almost. So I was like, yeah, Mike, that's right. So I'm just, I'm shocked. I, I'm loving watching him play. Definitely. And I think it's, he's gotten a unique, like, I can't log onto Twitter on a Wednesday night or a Thursday morning without seeing hashtag gaze for Mike. Because I think there is this unique thing about him where he just is so charming, even through a screen where it's exactly like Sarah said, like, I want to get to know this guy. Like, I want to go to Denny's with this guy. Like, because he comes across yeah. so much like he should be like this gruff, kind of grumpy old guy. And then he's like, yeah, I want to learn more about Islam. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> like, you are fantastic. And I love right. you. Yeah. I mean, is there something that we can, I mean, as, as LRG players and LRG producers, I mean, is there something that we can learn from, 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 from what Mike is doing here? I mean, I, I, I think there is. Obviously, we can't be Mike. I mean, we're, no one's ever, you can't just change your personality. But I mean, there's something that Mike is doing in terms of, of reaching out to these people and, and really just showing genuine, you know, interest, showing genuine um, curiosity, like Omar was saying. I mean, Josh, what, what do you think? I mean, is there something that you're taking from watching Mike that you're going to pull into kind of how you interact in future games? Yeah, I feel like um, it all goes to like you have to know yourself as a player, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. And I think Mike said it in the episode. He's like, Jonathan, obviously, he's a physical beast. He's good in, you know, physical challenges. And he's like, me, myself, I'm a social player. 
and he's playing to those strengths. And just like Marianne, she's an emotional person. She knows that she's using, you know, emotional side as a weapon for her. And I think it all comes to, to like really knowing yourself. And if you come into the game, knowing yourself and knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses and playing into them, I think that's, it's just, you're going to play a better game, just knowing who you are and um, playing up to your strengths. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Well, speaking of throwing back to the original episodes, we then had Chanel read tree mail, which I don't think we've seen. <laughs> I can't even remember the last time we saw someone read tree mail, but I loved it. I wish they brought it back every episode. I wish they shot, saw them getting it out of the little mailbox like they yeah. used to. I don't know if you, it, Josh, you're the survivor I, analyst. I don't know if there's any, if you remember the last time they did this. I, it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was like, did I, they run out of content? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I, I don't know why they threw that back in there, but I loved it. I mean, it's a it's a it's a throwback to that original Survivor feel. To me, Survivor is kind of ritual, right? You know, we have kind of mm -hmm. the the ritual every episode, and it feels good mm -hmm. to kind of hit those beats. And Tree Mail is one of those beats that I I've really been missing recently, so I I, I loved that throwback. Um, we then had a great confessional from Tori about the reward. Uh, reward is an opportunity, and I I think she's really really smartly. Um, attacking that. I mean, people get relaxed, people have food, people loosen their mouths, people, you know, secrets let out, people are very happy to be around those other people. I, I mean, it's a great thing. Um, Paul, in, in your season in Buffalo, I mean, was there, were there rewards given? Is there something that, that is, is that something that you noticed people bonding or, or anything like that over rewards ever? Totally. I think so. And I think in, in the live game, less rewards than there is in like, you know, what you see on CBS Survivor, I think a lot of it happened, a lot of that happens at the challenge. So I think um, you, you show up to the challenge because, you know, obviously if you're playing a live game, you're excited to play, you're excited for the challenges and stuff. So you go and you see the challenge set up and you're kind of standing there on the mat and maybe they're kind of still getting it set up a little bit or they're explaining the game. For me, I always saw that as an opportunity to um, like nudge, nudge whoever was next to me or make a fun comment or just kind of, you know, be that guy like, oh my God, like, what do you think this is going to be? Or like all of that. Anytime I think you can step out of game, game, game and step into, oh, that's cool. Or, oh, that's unique. Or look at that. At one point in our season of Buffalo, these people walk, like we're walking a dog walking by. And it was like, everyone's like, oh my God, it's a dog. Let's go pet the dog. And I think that kind of stuff, if you are looking for those opportunities, can be a great moment to, in the speed of a live game, build those bonds. So I think what Tori's talking about in the reward challenge is really well transferable to LRG play because, you know, you just got to find those cracks and those moments, even if it's petting a dog or eating a Pringle or, oh, look at this challenge, doesn't that look cool or whatever, like, those moments when you can make those personal inroads with people, I think always pay dividends. Yeah, it helps the the kind of the 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 screen drop a little bit and you're you're just real people reacting to something, which I think is great. There, I mean, when you're planning the seasons, are are you planning these moments in there? Are you are you putting kind of, hey, we're gonna put two or three people on a reward together to 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 try to mix things up, to try to get people to kind of bond and things like that. For for Buffalo, since it's a two-day game and it's rewards we put them in there a little bit usually we combine them with challenges if we do do them just because of timing and trying to fit everything into two days um we did a little bit in two with the summit yeah. um and we've done a few things here and there to try to like incorporate times for people to have bonding 
um, I've got a lot more in store for All Stars. All right, I love it. The the old, uh, <laughs> the old that's all I will say oh, about that. Um, all right, well then we get to the challenge. We have the classic climb up the stairs, leap into the water, maneuver the buoy, buoy basketball finish for for the 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 challenge. I think this is one we've seen you know three or four times at this point. I mean, at, at least in various ways. Maybe the ladder hasn't been involved, but you you know you know how it goes. The reward for this is going to be peanut butter and chips. We have um, you know teams drawn on a, on a rock draw. Yeah. Peanut butter and chips after they just got Applebee's. Not a great reward. <laughs> I would give peanut butter chips in an LRG and get the same reaction that they got. Yeah, they're like, yeah, whatever. Survivor. Yeah. And they're just like, nah, okay. Andrea's just like, I'll sit down. I don't even want this like, one. Yeah. Right. I was like, I could give peanut butter and, you know, jelly and chips. And they, for, it's for nothing. You just like, here, guys, here's some peanut butter. I do and think, chips. though, for Survivor, though, peanut butter is probably the best possible yeah. food you could have as a reward. It is the most calorie dense, the most like, sh like, there's sugars in there. I mean, I think from like a physical performance, I mean, unless you're eating pure steak, like, there's not much better of a food yeah. to get. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think starving, I get, I get yeah. them being like, yeah, whatever. It's just peanut butter and chips, you know, especially after just having. Applebee's half of them at least so we get the we get the switch we get uh Marianne drawing the gray rock and then we have Drea offering to switch with her I, I Josh what did you read into this decision um do you, do you feel like this was I feel like sometimes you don't want to do something like this because it draws such a huge eyes and targets on you but I, it didn't seem like anyone really clocked it at all I how do you feel about it yeah, I was kind of shocked that no one was kind of reading into it. Like, oh, here comes Drea trying to earn her some points with Marianne. But, um, yeah, I was actually kind of shocked that Drea didn't even like PB&Js because I feel like that's kind of like a universal beloved thing. But, uh, yeah, uh, and, you know, good, and good for Drea because I'm surprised no one really did read into that. And she kind of got out of that unscathed. And because of it, she, she got, got out of that with a, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Not, not, yeah, the yeah. reverse of unscathed, she got an extra advantage. Yeah. Crazy. I think if 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 Drea gets any more advantages, her lower third, when they say like what all they got, is <laughs> just going to turn into a ticker tape that's just going to like yeah. run across the screen. The sports Center. Yep. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> And I think this is one of those things that like goes back to like they're like weeks into a game where they're starving to death because if you tried this at a live game, people would be it would be what oh. everybody's next confession would be about. They'd be like, "Did you see? Did you see this? Did you like? Yeah. I, never in a million years would I ever try to do that in a live game because everybody would clock you immediately, like right off the bat because you're not starving. Yeah, it, exactly, it and, and I think not. that's. It's so funny to think of like how the brain just like straight up atrophies at that point, because, you know, we have a lot of super vans still in the mix. We have a lot of really strategic thinkers and they're like, oh, OK, she must not like peanut butter. Moving on. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I mean, I also think I mean, there's like a there, there's I, I think the other thing about the, you know, they've been out there. That was day 15. Um, and so, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's just so many more moments. I mean, in a live game, that's two days or a live game, that's four days or seven days, what have you, there's fewer moments. So each moment becomes more and more important, more and more impactful. Right. And so there's just more moments. Maybe someone did something at camp that was just as selfless or something like that as Drea and we weren't shown it, but it, it, you know, it can, you know, she can easily hide behind other moments. Whereas I think, you know, in a live game, like you said, I mean, I think you're putting yourself on a, in, in pretty big light by trying to do that. And I, I agree. I don't think I would try something like that in a live game. 
So she sits out, we go to the challenge, we have the two teams, we have a, a and an orange tribe, we have Tori, Chanel, Jonathan, Mike, and Roxroy versus Lindsay, Marianne, Hi, and Omer, and Romeo. Um, and Drea sitting out on the bench. She finds the beware advantage on the bench. We know the type of player Drea is. She was never putting that back down. Once she saw it, she popped that in her pot. We'll get to that later. The challenge plays out exactly as we expected. Jonathan gets a huge lead for his tribe. You know, I mean, Lindsay did pretty good in her one-to-one against Jonathan. I think she was she was holding up pretty mm-hmm. close to Jonathan for a while, but he then, you know, obviously got yeah. them a pretty solid advantage. He she went she went fast. She dove far. She swam fast. Yeah. And then the rest yeah. of the tribe goes. It looks like Blue has a pretty solid advantage. They have Roxroy tossing the 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 buoys. It doesn't look like he's doing good. Omer comes up. He's a baller. He gets yeah. four out of four for his first yeah. one, right? Not something I would have expected from him. Pretty cool moment for him. And then the the challenge yeah. beast himself, Jonathan, <laughs> comes out of the water, hits what looks like five for five. I don't know if that's exactly uh, how it is or if they edited that, but it looked pretty cool. I, I, I was trying to look and see if there was like movement in the water or anything like that. It looks like he went straight mm-hmm. five for five. I don't know what you guys yeah, thought. They made it look that way if it wasn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you guys think about him? I mean, I he seems unabashed about kind of being this challenge threat. And obviously he's never going to not be a challenge threat, but even this type of thing, like this hero moment, taking that on, coming out of the water to do that. I don't know. That's something that I wouldn't do. I mean, I'm definitely someone who is trying to manage my threat level, manage this. I I, I, I mean, Josh, I, how would you approach something like that? Obviously, none of us have the body that Jonathan has, but just, I mean, would you have done that? I mean, is that a smart choice, you think, by Jonathan? I don't know, because it's, you know, I think for Jonathan, he's just such a big guy. There's no way no one's ever going to not see him as a threat. So I think maybe he's just leaning into it and just like well they're always going to see me as a threat anyways and if i can make myself such a big threat maybe they'll see me as somebody that can be used as a shield and then um maybe they'll drag me along as somebody that's like oh well you know i could take the shots for you and then people will um keep me in as you know as a shield for them and i think uh maybe that's what he's thinking in this because he's definitely not doing anything to kind of minimize his threat level at least in the challenges so yeah yeah i mean i think the other half of it is he's he's winning four people food and and they're gonna they're gonna love him for that so i mean i think there is there's definitely something there to 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 call that out so so they win they win the food we come back the calories are helping jonathan omer feels great about his performance in the challenge even though he's lost omer has a really great confessional about how survivor to him is, you know, especially at this merge, creating opportunities, not closing doors. He's out there making individual alliances with each of the four that are supposedly on the bottom. Now, I I thought it was really interesting that he parlayed this into this concept of the fact that since he didn't have a vote at the last tribal council, people maybe viewed him less as part of the majority. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how, how you feel like Sarah. I, I don't think that came through in the show last episode. I mean, that's obviously a genius concept, but I'm kind of confused at the, the kind of mentality from the players on that. Obviously he didn't put a name down, but he was obviously in the loop a little bit. I mean, it's an interesting play by him, right? Well, I mean, it, we don't know a hundred percent, all the conversations he had with the people that were, as he called them, the outcasts or the outliers and what he said to them. And if he pushed the narrative that he wasn't sure what the vote was, he thought maybe it was going to be this or maybe it was going to be that. But but he does have that out of saying 
I did. I, I didn't know what it was going to be because I didn't have a vote, or I thought it was going to be this. He could lie to them. You know, I thought right. it was going to be Marianne, and it was Lydia, or whatever. Whereas now with this vote, he can't go back and say, you know, there's no. Um, he has to, uh, you know, he has to cop to saying to, well, I put I someone named Ch- out. Yes. Yeah, right. I, yeah. I, and he voted for. I believe it was Chanel, right? Uh, yes, I wrote it down. No, actually, he voted I, for I know. Romeo Look, as part of the as part Romeo. of the as part of the the split. Right, and I wonder if he did that to like keep his relationship with like Marianne and um almost like Maybe jury vote like for Chanel and yeah. yes, and still feel like he's on the outside. So he could have been like, oh, I'll vote for Romeo. So he's in, in a smart way, like still putting himself in a position to be in the middle and kind of choose which way he wants to go. If the big Alliance starts to fracture. I mean, I, I, this is now two episodes know, in a I row that he's parlayed this, this concept of not having a vote, which seems like a disadvantage into an enormous advantage. I mean, he, he didn't have a vote last episode and it didn't deter him from kind of steering the vote. And now this episode, not having a vote has allowed him to kind of play both sides and keep those doors open, which I think is, is, you know, from my perspective, imperative yeah. for Survivor. I mean, you want to be able to, at a at a drop of a pin, be able to work with everyone that's left in the game. You never want to have that door closed with anyone. I, I think that's a marker of a good good player. So so great on him, Paul. I want to hear your opinion on this new advantage thing. So we have. I mean, obviously, the knowledge's power is not new. This this bloody red <laughs> paint oh is God. very new. What do you, what do you think about this version of the beware advantage? Is it it really blew enough? me away? Was it a good uh, a good thing? Yeah. A hundred percent. It really blew me away. And it's like all credit to the Survivor producers for what they've done since 40. They told us last season, drop the four, keep the one. And we all laughed and kind of made fun of it. But stuff like this proves that they're willing to look outside the box in interesting ways. So when it, originally she opens this beware advantage and it's like, oh, you got to find it or people. I'm like, that's not a beware. Like people might walk up on you. That's true of any advantage. That sucks. And I was all ready to come on here and grumble. And then she sticks her hand in that tube and comes up and all this red paint comes up. And it's like a it's a gasp worthy moment, like just completely gasp worthy. Well, yeah. She had to stick her hand, I mean, like eight inches deep in there. in to grab one. And of course, because it's Drea, she's not like, oh, should I try it? But she's like, what's this? And just like all the way, like shoulder deep in there practically. Like, because, you know, that's she. she's playing the game at, you know, full speed for sure. Right. But I loved it because I thought you get an advantage. And there's so many known advantages this season, too, that I think adding another semi-known advantage kind of a what's going on here and known that there is one but not what it is i think is a great twist i really loved it i was 100 percent on board i think more clever stuff like this just enhances the game as opposed to like larger game breaking twists this is a smaller twist but that can be a really really pivotal moment depending on how you play it yeah and and we saw i mean tori kind of somewhat clocked her immediately i mean there was there was a there was a a negative to that obviously uh, of tory clocking i mean sarah do you think do you think that's going to lead to anything i mean you know it's one of those things they show that every once in a while someone comes back from an idol hunt and it's like hmm someone's suspicious but it never really leads to anything do you think that'll that'll lead to something i don't know i i wonder because they did show tory talking to marianne about it so either they're setting us up for next episode where it will lead to something or they'll 
push Tori will push the narrative more about Drea finding something. But with Drea A having a bag of tricks and being in this majority alliance, I don't know how far it's going to go. But side note, from a production standpoint, I just want to say that they should have put it away from the water well so that she couldn't have washed the paint off so easily. So true. Yeah. So next I, season, Survivor, if you're listening, put it somewhere where there's no water. Because then she what have she to run to the ocean or rubbing something. it on the ground yeah. or right. Like it would make dip her hand so in the sand. Saying, yeah, I agree. I agree. I, yeah. I thought that too. I like, loved oh, well, it, but I was like, oh, simple. not by the water well. Yeah. Simple to just wash it I off. Like I mean, obviously that. she didn't get all of it but um it is what yeah. it is all right so i mean now we have drea with the idol the amulet the extra vote and now the knowledge is power now we had saw the knowledge is power last season the thing about the knowledge is power last season is it was a pre-merge thing and we saw everything in the pre-merge gets talked about and so it came to the merge and everyone knew about it and it was easy to kind of somewhat play against it now this one is is very secret for from what we can tell and drea has it not only does drea have it but she's one of those idol holders who knows who the other two idol holders is so josh i mean if you're in drea's shoes do you make that play against one of the other two people and and when do you pull that if you do when do you pull that trigger yeah i think um i think you would have to you got to put that power to some use at some point but yeah the timing is very critical on when you do it I feel like um, I think you would have to, as long as your relationships with those people are really good and they're with you, then I would milk that as much as I could. And then when the timing was like, if you noticed that they were going to get blindsided, for instance, and you knew one of them was going to be sent home with an idol or something like that, and you wanted to steal it before they had the chance to be sent home with it, then that would be a time to use it. So I feel like, um yeah it's the best time is to just uh just go with the relationships that you have milk them as long as you can and then when it's time to they become too big of a threat then use the advantage take the idol and then then you can use it for yourself at that point i worry about marianne in this situation Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. marianne's not in this majority right but drea knows marianne has an idol it the perfect opportunity if you you want to stick with this group is when you want to get rid of Marianne to take her idol before you want to vote her out. Right. Yeah. My my only worry and about you know she can't play it. Oh, I'm sorry. You had you had. <laughs> that uh, worries me. Um, sorry, we got a little stutter on my end. Um, my only worry about that of of going after Marianne would be um is there's a lot of game to play and that's a public move when you take that idol it is a public move at tribal council so you have to factor in that public kind of everyone knows you just took that from marianne and Mm -hmm. and and then you have that in your pocket and that is now a target on your back that you have this um whereas you know somewhat drea has kind of gone under the radar with some of the stuff she has although you know she's told people about the extra vote the three people know about Mm -hmm. the amulet and the three people know about the idol so some people know some stuff but i think it is a very public move that you have to worry about i think josh you made a really good point of when you know someone's being voted out using it and i'm wondering if she could use it later in the game if there is an opportunity to blindside mike maybe you know maybe we're in a position where we're at the final seven and it's time to blindside mike but hey we know we have this idol hey, Andrea, I have this ability to essentially steal that idol from him. He will not have an idol. We can vote for him no matter what. You know, maybe that's something you can use with your allies as a almost defensive mechanism instead of an offensive mechanism. Great. I think well, it's, oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Go for it. No, I, I think it's interesting because it's the kind of the conversation that we have about idols and advantages of how do you use them? 
Are you a quick trigger finger? Are you really, really greedy and hold on to them? Will you use them for your alliance mates? Will you not? I think I'm a big college survivor fan. And I think one of the great things about college survivor is that we kind of get to see that play out in a lot of different ways throughout college survivors. So you have people who pick up the idol and boom, shoot them right away. You have people who collect idols, um, you know, Jack Survivor Michigan, I think, is a mm -hmm. great example of that, of somebody who was just an idol collector. And yet, on the other hand, it didn't pay off at the end of the game for him. And then, of course, you have, am I like, what to what degree am I allowed to spoil college Survivor seasons on here? I I think you're okay. If, if people are watching the live reality them. games, I, okay. I think that they are. This this channel is a very versed channel. I think you're okay a little bit. I thought so, but I wanted to double check because I'm going to talk about Maryland All-Stars, of course. If anyone doesn't see that... If you haven't seen Maryland All-Stars... First of all, what are yeah. you doing? If you haven't seen Maryland <laughs> yeah. All-Stars, go yeah. do If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Finish this and then go watch <laughs> okay, it. We're, we're, we're promoting Survivor Buffalo here. That's, huh? that's, yeah, are, you should also go watch that. <laughs> you have a whole playlist now. But I think you know you one of the most heartbreaking moments in that whole season is seeing somebody hold on to an idol that and then get voted off with it late stage in the game. Right. And so I think with Drea, the question for her is going to be to what degree she has all this stuff. So it's less risky for her to play something, but to what degree is she going to be stingy with playing it? And to what degree once these kind of bottom people, if they get picked off or if there's some kind of collapse that happens, to what degree is she going to say, I've got all this stuff, I'm playing it while I got it. Yeah, I, I'm really worried, and I, I think it ties back to what you said, Sarah, earlier about her social game is. I, I From my read of the edit, and I'm not a big edit guy, I mean, I, I have my my kind of guesses based on it, but just I, just, I have a really hard time uh, seeing a path for her to the end that doesn't involve a lot of burned bridges and, and kind of things, and it's because of these powers. She's going to do things that upset people because of these powers. She's going to steal stuff. She's going to use idols. She's going to do the yeah. ammo, you know? And I think there's a potential of her getting to the end and, and people being upset at her or her, like you said, Paul, not using these things and, and it kind of being a huge what if. And, and, and to me, that's where I kind of see this story going for Drea. And I'm, I, I'm hopeful that she can do something different with it, but this is kind of where, where I'm kind of picturing this going, but uh, that, that's just me. So then, then we get to the challenge. Sorry, we got it. We got to get, uh, get to the immunity challenge. I don't want to keep you guys here all night. So we get to the immunity challenge. It is the classic uh, Angelina Keeley negotiation <laughs> challenge, the honorable negotiation challenge. So we have the rice. He needs six players to, to sit out. We start with an offer of two. Um, then he says nine. Uh, we, we, we jump back. Omer decides to jump all the way from two to four. High is like, wait, what What the hell? Let's start with three first, <laughs> uh, which I thought that was a funny moment. Um, we see Lindsay and Drea offered immediately. Mike said to the group, no. Marianne offered and had a, a, a kind of great emotional plea. And I think this is where we saw that, hey, I'm going to cry be emotional i'm gonna play this up but i'm playing it up i'm doing this on purpose and i'm using this skill that i have which is to show as much of my emotion as i can as a survivor asset which i think is really huge i mean she manipulates them omer agrees and, and they get rice for the tribe everyone then views marianne as someone who's so selfless you know this is someone who's on the bottom mm -hmm. risks immunity um sarah what, what do you think of this choice of, of marianne to risk immunity? i mean i really didn't see this coming from her i mean everyone knows who those four are that are on the bottom. And she's one of those four and risking her chance in this game. So I, I thought not only was it a big strategic move, but it was, you know, kind of a risky move. It was risky. I mean, she still does have an idol. So there was a level of. 
Did we? Is everyone loser? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't want to. I didn't want it to be just me. All right. We'll 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 pause for a second. See if Sarah comes back. I'm back. Sorry. There we go. Yep. There she is. Yes. Um. And it's also. I mean, when you look at a challenge, you gauge on how well do you think you're going to do, and. A, you have an idol. B, you don't think you're going to do well. So C, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna use this to my advantage. Play up the emotional card and get food, in hopes that that will keep me another day and leverage that as a reason to not get rid of me. I mean, if you can think of all that in a matter of seconds yeah, when you're standing it's a, there, but it's quite a calculation to do. Of okay, I have a maybe. Yeah maybe 3% chance of winning this. I have, right. it might help me to, to do this by like 4%. Does that balance out or something like that? I mean, I, I think playing, I, I, I don't think survivor people, survivor players do this enough when given the opportunity to leave for food or give the opportunity to leave for uh, an advantage or something like that. Um, this, this calculation of, am I going to win this challenge? Is there mm -hmm. even a world where I win this challenge? I mean, high plays and we saw him not even last a full second in this challenge. So, I mean, was that a was that a bad choice by high i mean he could have earned a huge amount of social capital in the tribe by offering himself there and he didn't and, and couldn't even last you know more, more than a second so i mean it's 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 having that um kind of personal awareness of hey i'm going to be good at this or i'm not going to be good at this that's that's really huge when it comes to these offers um the other totally. thing i wanted to yeah. note here was just rocks roy this this tiny moment of saying adios amigos when tori handed back her idol just a little rivalry between rocks roy and tori i just love it. it even in these little moments they had to show it in the episode i i i got a i got a kick out of that and then maybe a weird quirk but three of the four people that sat out were from the original orange tribe and hmm. forgive me i don't remember the tribe names but the, the original orange tribe it was omer Lindsay, and marianne from that tribe all sat out so i don't know if there was something going on there uh, of just you know maybe they felt comfortable seeing other people from their original group making that decision or they're just used to getting beat down by jonathan and yeah true, or used to trusting like, him to win that for him yeah maybe used to be right. like hey you got this buddy you, you're, <laughs> I, you're going for it i think that's such an underrated thing it's, it goes exactly to what you were saying like in the cbs version that i think is more exploitable in the live games is like the self-awareness so you show up to challenge you look at the challenge and you go i'm not winning this how can i parlay this into a moment that will help me in the long run you know if, if i show up to a challenge and look at it and there are a number of them that could be this for me and look at it and go i am absolutely not winning this challenge not even three percent like point like everyone else would have to like have cardiac arrest on the be in the field for me to win this challenge. yeah there's no <laughs> way i think the the thing that you can do is say okay can I, is there someone who's willing to sit this out with me that I can have a conversation with? Because when everybody's competing in the challenges, nobody's looking at you. So yeah. even if you're saying, is there an advantage hidden around here? Can I get my friend so-and-so to sit this out with me or to not do good and sit and talk with them while all these people are running around like crazy people? Like, is there any way I can parlay this thing that is absolutely not going to work out for me into something, even if it's anything even if it's a small yeah. inroad socially or looking for an, an advantage and not finding one but knowing where one isn't which can be in a, its own advantage anything you can do in those Pretending moments i think is one. essential exactly 
or, yeah, or dropping early in a challenge, you know, it's an endurance challenge, dropping early and using that time to talk to people. I don't know, yep. you know, I don't know how you run it in Buffalo. So I know some, some producers won't let you talk when you're on the sit out bench, but I mean, if you, if you drop early and you're allowed to talk, I mean, that's an advantage. I, or, Huge. you know, I, I, I think that that's, that's time that you have to prepare for the vote that other people don't have. If you know, you're not going to win, jump off. I mean, what, you know, what are you losing? You're not losing the challenge. Cause I just, yeah getting that challenge i think that's a very i knowing yourself and knowing your skills is huge and i i, I think obviously there's that minuscule chance that you could pull off an amazing victory but do you need it or do you need that time more and i, I think that's what you were saying sarah that calculation is is really hard to make because there's no it's not concrete math it's it's guesstimates and, and everything like that but it's it's important to do that at every moment in the game um so then we have the challenge we have high out within seconds we have rocks out and then we have mike dropping out Romeo doesn't make it. Those are all the early dropouts. We have a 10 minute kind of freeze and 10 minutes does seem like a long time for this challenge. I mean, you're holding your arms in a really tight motion, kind of holding them together. That's it's a long time. I feel like to have those muscles kind of being, you know, flexed on that. And you have Chanel, Tori and Jonathan as the three remaining Chanel drops out. We have kind of this Tori versus Jonathan thing. Again, I, it, it was sort of hinted at last challenge. I mean, it, I know it wasn't exactly Tori versus Jonathan, but I feel like there was this kind of, sort of editing of of hey if it's not going to be tori it could be jonathan on, on, on that last challenge where they were stacking the blocks and in this one it was a direct one-to-one -one battle here and again tori beats jonathan and i mean we see this time and time again um of these huge guys um in survivor that that kind of dominate these group challenges that that sometimes struggle in these um, individual challenges. And I don't think Jonathan's struggling. I mean, he's no war dog out there by any means, um, but he is not winning and, and other people are even with him or better. And I think that is an interesting notion for his game because I don't see him being able to win out to get to the end with kind of how he's performing. So just something to clock there. Tori wins again. We have, Jeff stating that there's 12 scrolls and now two will be safe if we want to play a shot in the dark. Does anyone here understand how these shot in the darks work? Because uh, <laughs> is he implying by the fact that there are 12 scrolls that before, if there were six scrolls and four people took them, that they're the first person gets one out of six, the second person gets another out of six, and they're not replacing them? Because I was under the impression that it was one out of six per person. Is am I under am I understanding this wrong? Maybe it's I'm not a sure bag. because I thought for I was gonna say maybe it's like yeah, there's six was, people I'm... in the tribe, right? Yeah. Maybe it's a bag with six scrolls. Yeah, okay. And every time someone takes one, there's one less scroll in there. There's less scrolls. Yeah. So now there's twelve scrolls. So so what would have happened, I guess last time I I guess maybe they've they've planned it so it's impossible, but last time, hypothetically seven people could have played a shot in the dark. I guess half the people were immune, so they wouldn't have needed to play a shot in the dark. But what would have happened if seven people played a shot in the dark? Is there just no paper for that seventh person? I guess that's maybe why they've added 12 papers. I, it's just yeah. something I wanted to call it because I don't think they've properly explained this to the fans. It's one of those things of like, yes, they add these things, but I think sometimes it's like, it's a little bit too esoteric for us to fully, you know, like give us written rules or something a little mm -hmm. bit more simple. Yeah, I think um, if you're immune, you probably can't play the shot in the dark. Yeah, I guess that makes sense because you but can't it, be more safe than safe. It adds a super interesting right. wrinkle that I don't think they've thought about of kind of like defensively playing the shot in the dark. Mm. Of like, so I'm if I'm gonna get it in early, I vote before you. I'm grabbing the scroll or something like that. Exactly, and I and, and again, I'm not sure, like you said, whether it's always twelve scrolls to our safe or whether it's 
it diminishes by the number of tribal councils if somebody used it. But, you know, if we get to a certain point and there's a certain number of people gone or we people that I know have played their scrolls and have not been safe in the post-merge, I think there's definitely an opportunity if I've got six people to say, let's all play it tonight. Let's see if we can clear the bag of safes and be done. Yeah. Then none of you have votes, though, too. I mean, that, that, that's the dangerous thing. Right. So yeah. it is an interesting thing. I think, I think it is implying that there is a bag, like you said, Sarah, just by the virtue of him increasing it to 12. I think it is implying that there has to be that bag. Um, interesting. So the 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 post uh, immunity confessional goes to Drea. I, I know that is a that's an important confessional historically in Survivor. She's mad that Tori won. Her target is no longer available to be voted. She says it's between Marianne, Chanel, Romeo and gives that hilarious cackle into the, yeah. the commercial which i think is great i mean i i love when people kind of relish this villain role but like you said sarah i just worry about that social aspect is she letting this bleed through into the actual game as she's talking to people as she's dealing with people we saw her have that kind of confrontation with marianne at the last tribal we've seen some of the other moments with her i i mean i just do worry a little bit about that She's just and, very dry. Yeah, very dry, <laughs> very dry. I, I mean, I definitely like her as a character, though. She's she's bringing a lot. Yeah, in. yeah, she's just very. So <laughs> then, we, then we come back from from the challenge, and I'm just going to read through kind of how the scramble went, and then we'll address it before tribal. We'll kind of address it as as one big group. I'll just kind of go through the beats that it happened. So so we get back from commercial. We have Hi, who really he says it's Chanel, Romeo, or Marianne. He wants Chanel. Mike also wants to do Chanel with Romeo as a backup. Mike is still mad about this vote from two weeks ago. And I know that's already been discussed on the channel and been discussed on Twitter and been discussed many places that vote that Chanel put for Mike, whether it was good or bad or smart. It's seeming like it didn't work out the way she wanted it to because Mike has very bad feelings about that specific vote. Even if it's hypocritical, he has bad feelings about that vote. Um, High told Chanel to vote Romeo because he's worried about the idol or the shot in the dark. Chanel decides to play it cool. She's not going to do much. She doesn't want to ruffle people's feathers. She knows she's on the bottom, but she knows sometimes it's better to just play it cool and trust your people. Romeo doesn't like the Kumbaya, notices that Chanel's calm, starts to panic. Drea won't even look at Romeo, says he's just so paranoid to his face. You're, you're too paranoid. Um, Tori told Romeo that Rox heard Romeo's name. So Romeo's getting even more paranoid hearing that his name is actually out there. Romeo goes to Rox. He says, you know, who asked that? Rox said, I might've heard it from Omer. Romeo then goes to Omer who says, um, you know, this is this is just crazy now. You know, Omer hears this from Romeo. He says, oh goodness, he's so paranoid. It's just making him a bigger target. Omer now goes to High and says, listen, like Romeo's getting out of control. Maybe he needs to be the target. Omer and High agree to switch it to Romeo. High then brings that to Jonathan, who agrees to pull in uh, Lindsay and Drea. So then they'd have five. They need one more. That one more would be Mike. Um, they go to Mike. Mike sees High panicking and decides, listen, this isn't how it is. We, we don't panic. I want how I want it. We got to stick to the plan. The old Keith Nail style, stick to the plan. I want Chanel out of here. She is she has screwed me one too many times. Um, so he says Chanel. So he goes to Rox and essentially convinces Roxroy, hey, we should stick to Chanel, right? Like he kind of incepts that into Roxroy, mm -hmm. then goes back to the group and says, listen, guys, Roxroy is not going to do this. Uh, so I don't know if we can do this. I would love to do it personally. I'm Mike. I would love <laughs> to do it. But Roxroy, he's not going to do it. And I don't want to do that if Roxroy's not going to mm -hmm. do it. 
um, which I think was a really great move. Um, so Mike convinced everyone to stick to the plan, supposedly heading into tribal, but we still get that last um, beat from High, who I think you know says you know it's Chanel or Romeo. We see kind of the the, the picks between them. We're led into tribal, thinking you know it's definitely going to be one or the two. So so. After all that, Paul, I mean, how did you interpret kind of how that went down? I, I mean, what were you feeling heading into tribal? Did you feel confident one way or the other? I'm glad you took notes on that because, <laughs> man, that was a whirlwind. It was crazy. Um, and it's indicative of this season, 42, of kind of always going into tribal being like, well, who is it going to be again? Um, I I went in kind of feeling like it was going to be Chanel um, just simply because of, especially what you said with Mike, um, Mike gets his way. And that's what we've seen over and over again this season is if Mike is telling me before Tribal that he's voting for Chanel or that it's going to be Chanel, then for me as a viewer, that's so far, I'm taking that straight to the bank. Um, and also, I think Chanel, it again, had the right approach at the wrong time because I do think Romeo's scramble hurt him. Like, I do think Chanel was absolutely right to say, I'm staying put. I'm not going to create chaos. I'm not going to do anything. It just didn't, that strategy just didn't quite get her over the finish line that time, which sometimes, sometimes it just doesn't. Sometimes there's not a lot you can do, but it was absolutely a wild, wild scramble. And I don't see that changing anytime soon with this tribe dynamic. Yeah, Josh, I, I think that's an interesting point Paul, that Paul just brought up. I mean, there's that, I think we see this a lot in Survivor of, hey, you know, you know, you're on the bottom, you know, you are at least one of two to four names coming up at this tribal there is benefits to playing really hard. There's benefits to playing in the middle, like maybe a little bit and kind of just touching a couple of people, you know, hey, hey, what's going on here? What's going on here? Can I, can I move that vote? Or there's also the benefit of doing absolutely nothing and hoping that just being calm, being out of people's mind, out of sight, out of mind works. I mean, how do you approach something like that? I mean, it, what kind of type of player are you and do you see benefits or negatives to each of those play styles? Yeah. I say being paranoid is, or you always got to have some, a little bit of paranoia because if you're not, then, you know, you're going to get bamboozled if you're not have a little slide of paranoia. And um, so, but also paranoia can really be annoying. If you really go into people double checking, it reminds me of like Jamie Newton and survivor Guatemala. He right. was like driving mm -hmm. Rafe crazy constantly. Good, I'm, I'm okay, right? I'm good, Jordan right? Kalish, if he's watching, will love that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I love Guatemala, too, so I had to shout that out. But, yeah, it, the paranoia can eat you away, and it, it almost cost Romeo his game. But And then you, you see Chanel, who's playing it nice, calm, and just letting the game flow. But then also it's like you're just letting – you know, you're just giving your your game away without really fighting for it almost. And so uh, it, I think uh, for her in particular, it was just Mike was so adamant of getting rid of her. He put his foot down and was just like, it's got to be Chanel. And I think that's what ended up costing her, where I think Romeo, I think he was starting to dig his grave. And I think he was almost out the door. But then Mike was just firm in it being Chanel. Now, Sarah, so 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 your Mike put his foot down. I mean, there's 11 players left in this game. I mean, mm -hmm. is that something that you think it is the right time to put your foot down, or are you the type of person that 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 thinks it's you know go with the flow at this point? I mean, why are you? I mean, and we'll get to this car metaphor soon uh, about who's driving yeah. and who's not driving. But but I mean, I, what is your interpretation of hey, 
do you do that in that moment? And I am very curious. I can't wait to see how this plays out because my perception of this is that it very well could have been too early to put your foot down because is high upset that he didn't get his way and will this cause a rift between him and Mike or is he just annoyed at Romeo we don't know who he was talking about right it could have gone at tribal it could in his mind he could have been talking about Mike or he could have been talking about Romeo. And I hope it's Mike because I think that will be way more drama. <laughs> well, I, I have I have a I, I have a question to ask about High because I think the show is telling us something about High over the last two episodes. But let's let's do the same thing with Tribal and then we can just talk about the whole vote and the whole everything so we don't have to keep playing kind of uh peekaboo with with who got voted out and everything like that. So so we get to tribal. Jonathan says that, you know, he agrees that, you know, the four that gave up immunity were, were off limits to him. He also uses the phrase Mr. Jeff, which is now the second or third time he's called him Mr. Jeff this season. I find it adorable. I don't know if everyone else finds, his ador- finds it adorable. Um, Tori admits that she's still not part of the group and that that frustrates her in that, you know, after two times of being immune, she wants to kind of get into that group. Sometimes, you know, when you wear that necklace, people are more likely to talk to you. It doesn't seem like she's able to kind of been breaking through those barriers at all. Um, Romeo is really hitting this um, kind of this nail of, you know, the, the majority won't last forever. This is temporary. Things are going to happen after this. Um, and so he's hitting that note high. You know, he talks about that the people are who are paranoid and spreading suspicion. Well, if you're doing that, you're not part of the group. And I, I thought that was an interesting line. I think that's what you're talking about, Sarah, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, Drea is talking about how your game is tied to other people. I mean, you, you only can, you know, what you tell to other people they can then tell to other people and they can drag you just as much as they can raise you up. And so who you choose to group yourself with is really important. Um, and I thought that was an interesting uh, point. And I, I also thought the, her, her comment about, you know, you can't really drag the dead weight and how her, her mother back home would say, you know, that ain't your family, you know, as in cut them, cut them if you need to cut them, which mm-hmm. I think is very eminent of, of kind of how she plays this game. Um, yeah. Mike, notes that there's just a lot of good liars in this world um chanel we start now talking about this car metaphor which dominated tribal council and i gotta say probably one of the worst metaphors that that jeff has really tried to force me into a tribal council he went to it five or six times in a row and i was just oh my goodness um chanel hopes she's in the right automobile marianne (laughs) thinks you could be in the wrong car i guess you could just open the wrong (laughs) door um lindsay says you don't need to be driving the whole time and then high, I think, you know, the the quote of the episode and maybe, maybe uh, what I'll get to it in a second, but I think maybe fixing what I think he did wrong in the last episode was, hey, you, you need to know how to let someone else drive. And if not, you better be wearing a seatbelt, which was the episode quote. So he got the episode quote. It was time to vote. We have a 7-3-1 vote for seven for Chanel, three for Romeo, one for high, um, just so everyone knows. Romeo voted for high. Omer, Marianne, and Chanel voted for Romeo. And then the, everyone else besides Omer in the Alliance voted for Chanel. So Chanel goes home. Um, I guess what I want to talk about right now is I think there's this axis of power in the eight. So we have Mike, we have Omer, we have high. And I think those are three people that we've seen throughout the pre-merge have a lot of power. And then I think we have someone on the bottom, Romeo, who I also think in the pre-merge we saw had a lot of power. And I'm really curious 
what you guys feel is 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 where are these four going? Because I think last episode we saw High take a backseat to Omer's decision making. High had to vote for his ally. This episode he had to take a backseat to Mike. I mean, so is he taking a backseat too much? Uh, I, I guess Sarah, because you were talking about it earlier. I guess just speak on how you feel like High is approaching the situation. Is it smart of him to kind of be taking that backseat, or should he be trying to force his way? I think it's smart that he's taking a backseat. But I feel that it's there's going to be a breaking point or High is reaching that point where he's sick of taking a backseat and it's time for his decision to be the decision. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing that happen. Um, I think it's smart. I think it's the right way to play. But there's got to be a point where if you let everyone else's decisions be the decisions, then you're probably not in a good position. So we'll see what happens. I think that's a fair point. I mean, Paul, Paul speak on this. I mean, I, I eventually I think we're heading to some sort of war between these kind of power plays. I mean, throw Drea in there. I didn't mention her mm -hmm. earlier and even mm -hmm. maybe throw Jonathan in there. I think he has some sort of say. So I think those six, are kind of where the axis of, of mm -hmm. decision-making and power lie. And obviously there's people on the outs. There's maybe Tori or Marianne who can play spoiler, but where do you think this is heading with this group of people? Yeah, I mean, I, it's obviously heading towards some sort of explosion. I mean, I, I think the high situation is playing, playing in the backseat is good. Playing in the passenger seat is good, provided you keep options open. But there comes a point in the game where you have to grab the wheel Otherwise, you're going to find yourself at final eight, final seven, and look around and go, no, I don't, who's, who's still in this car with me? Where did all my friends go? Yeah. Why, you know, don't, why? Don't do that here. Don't do that here. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, that's like, that's the whole thing is like, at some point, you have to at least make sure that the decision that's happening is best for you. Even right. if you're doing like what my, Mike did and kind of, saying like rocks Roy, he's not gonna do this like he's blah 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 so all that to say i think this is definitely coming to a head because i think like you said earlier high is not gonna keep taking i mean this isn't gonna keep happening and mike isn't ready to give up the driver's seat and rocks Roy wants to drive andrea wants to drive and eventually jonathan's gonna want to drive and don't forget tori is still in the game and she is not like just gonna sit back and relax while things happen romeo is used to having a lot of power so I think we're looking at kind of like a Game of Thrones post-merge coming up of like everybody is going to want their chance of the power. And it's just going to – what this season is going to wind up being is who's sitting on the throne at the end of the day. Who's the last person that seizes power and doesn't give it up? Well, not to spoil Game of Thrones for anyone, but Josh <laughs> – then who do you think is brand the broken in this in this metaphor um who is that last person who power i mean who can wait the longest do you think to kind of seize power or do you see someone who's seizing power early on maybe maybe final eight final nine or something and can and can go kind of a, a tony route of kind of getting all the way to the end or do you think there's someone who is lying a little bit under the radar that can go can and can take it at the end uh, yeah, I'm kind of looking towards Omar at this point. I think he's just sitting back watching these people come after each other. I think he's going to sit there and watch Mike and high butt heads, and he's sitting back building. He's the one making all the connections, like like he said in this episode. He was 
you know, he had Romeo feeding him information. He's friends with the the eight, the alliance, the big alliance. And he's getting all this information from all these different places. And I think he could be someone that's going to sit back, let these let the major people hit each other, take each other out, and then him rise to the top. And Sarah, I, I mean, I, I think that's a really good point. I mean, I think I think Omar is definitely coming out of this in in a very good position. I, I think what worries me about the other two people, Hi and Mike, is that they're now the only two people from that original Green Tribe. So they voted mm-hmm. out Lydia. They voted out Chanel. I mean, do you think that there's credence to the point of, hey, maybe they should have tried to bury that hatchet with Chanel and keep her in the game? Because at a certain point, you get there, it's final 10. The other groups each have four people from their original tribes and they can maybe mend fences. I, I, I mean, do you think that there's anything to that? Uh, I think it would have been a smart thing to do, but I think Mike was just too wrapped around this, getting this vote from Chanel and it was just, it, it he couldn't get past it. And I think I recognized that he couldn't get past it. So that's why he didn't, push this Yumi and Chanel need to stick together. And, you know, I, I think he just did what he could to try to keep Chanel and it didn't work out. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where if, if someone, like you said, like Mike is putting his foot down and Mike, like you said, Paul, his word is his word. He's not moving back on that. He's very hard to budge. So I, I, I think, there's only so much that that high could have done in that scenario. Um, I wonder too, is this a yeah. vote that they're going to look back on and say, we screwed that up specifically high and Mike look yeah. back at this moment and say like, almost, I'm going to go way throwback here. John Carroll votes out Gabriel and Marquesas when he had a chance to take out um, somebody from the original uh, Maramu, I think. Am sure. I getting a try? Yeah, I, I think that's right. Yeah, it's been a while, yeah. but yes. <laughs> You know, looking back on that and saying, I took out somebody who was from my original tribe when I could have tried to make it somebody else. And then that, that you know, those chickens can could come back to roost for mm-hmm. those two guys. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it and just saying, I mean, if High was able to push this vote on to Romeo, I mean, just in the same way that Omar, Omar had this con- uh, um, confessional about keeping doors open, Chanel is an open door for high, maybe not an open door for Mike. Maybe Mike doesn't regret this because he feels like that door is closed for him. But I think at least for high Chanel is a more open door than maybe Marianne that he's known for two days or Romeo that he's known for two days. I mean, he's known Chanel for two weeks at this point. I mean, I think there is, there was a lack of ability to fight through that. And I thought last episode, I I don't, I, I, I watched Kirk do this. I don't know if he touched on it, but high had this interesting confessional last episode about how, um, you know, when push comes to shove, you know, you need to kind of, uh, I forget exactly how we phrase it, but you need to kind of make things happen the way you want to make them happen. And it seemed to me like that was almost his winner quote. And yet it was describing what Omer did in that, in that episode. So I was really intrigued to watch him take a backseat to Omer. And then I thought, you know, throughout this episode, maybe he's taking power back, but it seemed like he took a backseat to Mike again. And I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm interested, Sarah, like you're saying, does that pot boil over? Does he take power and kind of do something with it? Or is this kind of the story of how high is not able to kind of, op, you know, take right. the opportunities that are presented to him? I, I, I don't know. I don't know yeah. which way it's going to go. I, uh, I'm, I'm surprised. I mean, that high didn't 
go to Chanel and it could have happened and maybe we just didn't see it. We only see, you know, what they show us go to Chanel and say, Chanel, you need to go talk to Mike and you need to right. fix this, um, fix this vote thing. You need to do whatever you can to say, you know, we need to get past our differences and, you know, fix our relationship. We've been together since the beginning and we didn't see any of that. And I'm surprised Ty didn't do that. And I don't know if he was just too frustrated with the what Romeo was doing and paying too much attention to this Romeo drama and not really sitting down and thinking it through. And what can I do to get my way that doesn't seem so aggressive? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I Romeo is the last person we sort of haven't touched on here. I mean, we've talked through Dre, we've talked through Mike, we've talked through Omer, we've talked through High. Romeo, I feel like, is someone who pre-merge had a lot of power, has come into the merge, was really suddenly on the bottom last episode, like we said at the beginning of this episode, and now was potentially a vote target in this episode, who seems to have kind of his back up against the wall, wants to tear down this big alliance. I mean, Josh, do you, do you see him able to have success in this? I mean, he's a character that we're led to believe has some gameplay, but I, I, I mean, do you feel like he'll have success in, in battling against this majority? I, I don't know. I want, I want to believe in Romeo. I want to believe that he can do it. I feel like he, he can read people. I think he, he obviously knew that he was in trouble and that something was going on. He's on the outs. He almost got a little too paranoid for his own good, but um, I feel like, he, he has the ability to to overcome this. It's just how he goes about doing it, I feel like, could be what makes or breaks uh, his game. I think voting for high was a big mistake um, because we see this high mic thing going on. We see high's pot about to boil over, and Romeo, if he was smart, he would have – just voted for Chanel, went the status quo. And then, you know, we could see High going to Romeo and Tori and and Marianne and maybe flipping the script and, and you know, taking over the outliers and going after Mike. But High or uh, Romeo voting for High, I just, it wasn't smart. I don't think it was smart. He did it out of spite. Yeah, and There's maybe, no reason he, to do maybe it. he can get away with it. I mean, with 11 people, maybe you can hide that a little yeah. bit. But you're right. I, I I agree that, like, yeah, there there's the possibility there. I mean, there are other targets. I mean, there's there's Jonathan, who's always going to be a huge target. There's Drea, eventually, who's going to be a huge target. And maybe things are gone between him and Drea, and he can start throwing her under the bus. He knows about her extra vote. He knows about her idol. You know, he knows about things that he can throw under the bus. So, I mean... There, there's opportunities for Romeo, and I, I agree that I think that vote maybe wasn't the the, the best vote to throw a, a name down. I think almost anyone would have been better. Throw a vote at Jonathan. No one's going to be surprised by that. Almost anyone would have been better than High. Um, maybe not Omer. I, I guess that, that might be the only other person that I maybe wouldn't have thrown a vote for. But, yeah, I agree. Um, before we head out, I want to play a little game with you guys. I want to have you guys... Each predict a winner here um, from from this. We have 11 people left. I want to have you each predict a winner. And then I also want to have you guys each predict the two 
people get that get voted out next episode. I'll write it down. We'll chat about it in our private chat. So we'll, we'll have a little bragging rights next week and when the season ends to see if anyone got this right. Um, just something for us and, and something to for, for the viewers to kind of see how you guys are predicting the season. So take a second to think about it. I'll say mine right now. I'll go first. Um, so I think that from what I'm seeing, I, I mean, it might be obvious at this point, and maybe I'm reading into the edit too much, but I'm going to say I, my winner pick is Omer. Um, and my vote outs will be, I think, next episode. I think the next episode is the episode we finally see Tori go. Um, but I think the second vote out might surprise some people. And I think that's the one that we maybe see Lindsay go. So that'll be mine. I don't know. Does anyone have theirs ready that wants to volunteer to go first? I'm going to go a different direction. All right. Let's see what you got, Paul. I am going out there and uh, to, I can get old takes exposed on me on Twitter next week <laughs> if this goes bad. I'm taking Tori all the way. Tori all the way. Wow. wow. My goodness. I that think is she a, just has to, if she sneaks through this double tribal, which I think she will, I think it's Tori to the end. And then I think our two before before you get to the vote offs, give me a tiny bit of what you think that final tribal council speech is from Tori. I just, oh, I it's going it. to be so wild. Like it's it's going to be abrasive and it's going to be <laughs> off the rails. But at the end of the day, I can see this specific group of people looking at her game because she's going to be a group very said, but she can also say, "I was on the bottom from the beginning." I did it. Yeah. You know, almost like a Sandra Hero's villain speech of like, I tried to tell you people who to vote out. You didn't listen to me, but here I am. And I think sometimes with certain groups of people that works. And I mean, obviously, like, you know, Roxbury's not going to vote for her <laughs> or other people who won't. But I, I think <laughs> she can get there. <laughs> I, I truly think she can get there. And I think she can have people like Roxbury kind of has like her like stuffed trophy heads on the wall of like, Roxroy's gone. Jonathan's gone. Sure. I beat Jonathan in all these immunity challenges. Like I'm the challenge beast, not him. Like I'm the strategic beast, not high, you know, like I'm the social beast, not Mike or Marianne or any of these other people. Like I'm just saying. I love it. I love it. All right. Who's, who are the two vote offs? Romeo and Lindsay. Romeo and Lindsay. All right. I am just going to go Tara? with who I want and have <laughs> zero <fine>. strategic um, <laughs> like thoughts behind it or it probably won't happen. I'm going to say that High is going to win. High wins. Because I want his pot to boil over. I want to see the drama. I could see it in his face in Tribal. I'm, I'm ready for that High to come out. So I would like to see him win. And I think that Jonathan and Tori are gonna go. Jonathan and Tori. All right. I, I can gotta, see that. You gotta go I can see that. you know, risk it to win. Just wait. Jonathan's a ticking time bomb. He's going sometime soon, right? <laughs> right. It could be an uh, idol. It could be something. It could be something. What about you, Josh? What are you feeling? I'm going to agree with you. I would say Omar is probably good. He's my winner pick. I think he's just – I love everything that he's doing. I think he's making the right moves, making the right connections, and I think that's what's going to propel him to the end. It's it's not enough to get to the end. You're going to have – you want people to want to give you the win in the end. Yeah. And I think that he's building the connections where people are going to want to give him that win in the end. So 
And if he makes it in the final three, I think he's going to win. And I I think it's going to be Jonathan and Tory are going to be the two, two boots. I think Jonathan, if he loses uh, one of these next challenges, it's going to be just, you know, he's it's just, that, you got to get rid of him. You got to take the shot. That, bu- that, what's next on survivor was a fake out that thing between him and Lindsay. And it's not going to be Lindsay. Mm. It's going to be Jonathan. You watch. Yeah. So the next time on, I mean, we talked about maybe a, yeah, a, yeah. a male Alliance and then there's a little fight between Lindsay and Jonathan. And then we have the two people going home is the, the, the tagline. So I, I could see that being a fake out. It's always a little bit of fake out. I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I'm not uh-huh. buying the dudes Alliance. I'm not buying the, uh-huh. the Lindsay versus Jonathan fight. So we'll see. I mean, I think it is interesting though. I mean, it's a, a testament to this season that we have, four of us here we have three different winner picks between the four of us so that's good and we didn't even mention mike we didn't mention uh drea yeah. we didn't mention some other common winner picks i mean there's other there's there's a lot of opportunities left with 11 people which i think is great there's a lot of seasons of survivor where at final 11 i think we might have only had one or two names uh, chosen mm-hmm. at this point so that's great and then i think it's also interesting on the flip side though for the vote outs there's two vote outs and we only pick four different names so i think there's there's also a solid bottom so i think there's still maybe one or two episodes left before i think maybe you know S hits the fan um, and we we really start kind of diving yeah. into what Romeo is talking about, which is, hey, that that group has to split up at some point and, and what happens when they split up. So maybe next week is kind of that, you know, classic survivor double boot where it might be a little obvious. But then the following week is kind of where, oh, my goodness, you know, stuff has to happen here and, and people have to turn on people. And that's going to be really exciting. Yeah, It's going to happen soon. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, I appreciate First of all, live reality games for for having me on as a guest host. I hope I did Kirk proud. We'll see. Um, Dustin's been in the comments and he hasn't said I'm a failure yet. So (laughs) so that's good. Um, Everyone who's watching, please like and subscribe to live reality games. This channel is amazing. They 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 really support the these different live reality games that are happening. They do a great job giving everyone a platform. Um, they do something amazing here. So so really just try to support them as much as you can with a, a like or a subscription on YouTube, um, like the page on Facebook, a- anything like that is really appreciated. Comment on the videos, please please just try to um, give them as much support as possible. And then I'll, I'll pass it along to you, Sarah. Let, let's talk about Survivor Buffalo because that's what we're here for. Um, go for it. Cease. Season three is premiering May 5th on YouTube. We are filming season five in May and all stars in September. Um, But we're on Facebook, Instagram, Um, reach out if you have any questions, but we're hoping to have a season seven next year. So anybody interested, look out for casting for next year and keep your eyes open for Cursed Island May 5th. Great, great. Yeah, please check that out. Check out season one and two that are already on YouTube. Um, I've watched them. They're they're great seasons. Josh, um, I'll shout out Survivor Analyst. Um, check out Josh's podcast um, and look out for for Paul's season of Survivor Buffalo uh, when it when it comes out. That's season four. That'll be coming out. Um, probably probably next year uh, just based on <laughs> on editing cycle i don't want to over promise for <laughs> yeah, you sarah i know um, we got a lot going on <laughs> all right well, well that's everything thank you everyone for joining us and uh kirk will be back next week to uh right this ship if i've steered it incorrectly <laughs> all right well well thanks everyone bye good night everybody bye, bye.